Happy summer break, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this summer break edition of the Backmarkers F1 show. Chris, Tyler, and Shaker all here, and we're excited to do this episode because it's a little bit different than what we normally do. We're not talking about a race preview or a race recap, not all the way anyway. We're answering all of your questions. So you guys submitted a bunch of questions through us on Twitter and on Facebook and on YouTube, and we're going to spend the next half hour or so answering all your questions. And uh, yeah, it should be uh, should be pretty good. I, I see there's a lot of questions, so we got a lot to get to. Yeah, pretty impressed of you guys. Uh, you have questions pretty much ranging from personal stuff to F1 <laughs> stuff. It's everywhere. So uh, it's awesome to see you guys are involved with the podcast, and we're excited to give you as many answers as we can. Uh, pretty sure we got them all. If we didn't, don't get offended. Yeah, uh, we may you just can ask more questions accent. on that. We can ask, answer them on the comments. Exactly. Exactly. And first off, obviously, congratulations to us. We hit 1,000 subscribers, and thank you very much to all of our subscribers and our fans out there. Yeah, um, it. yeah it's it was obviously a goal of ours at when we first started it, and then when we started this season as well. And I think I remember talking to you, Tyler, when we did our very first episode of this season or, or somewhere around there. Yeah, the goal was 1,000 by summer break. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and we hit it. It didn't look like we were going to hit it around May or June. It was pretty slow. The F1 season was kind of boring, and then that man from Holland spiced everything's up. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why that's why I bought that hat. was just kind of like a thank you to Verstappen. Yeah, for spicing <laughs> everything up. <laughs> yeah. Bringing F1 back to life. Exactly, exactly. So thank you to everyone that subscribed, and we hope that you keep on watching and keep on subscribing. I think now the real work begins now that we got 1,000 yeah. subscribers, and we got a lot of great stuff coming out to you guys. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a really good run until the rest of the season. So uh, before we get into all of your fan questions, we won't do a full breakdown of all the sort of summer news that's been going on. It's been relatively quiet, except for obviously the big story, which was that Pierre Gasly has been demoted back to Toro Rosso and Alex Albon has been promoted to Red Bull. Yeah, I don't ever trust what Christian Horner is going to say, pretty much is what we get out of that. Because <laughs> um, obviously Horner was saying... About a month ago, maybe August sixth. August sixth, yeah. not even a month yeah, ago. Yeah, ten days ago. That, Twelve days ago. Um, you know, we we're going to stick with Gasly until the end of the season, right? Is is what he said, not too long ago, and uh, that was a lie, clearly. <laughs> um, but so is that really Christian Horner's fault, though, or is it more Helmet Marco? Definitely Helmet. You think? Oh yeah, I, for I, sure. I would say I would think so as well. That's mm. why I, I think we were wondering about that when I read that. <clears throat> excuse me. Initially, I was like. That's not really something Red Bull usually does because Gasly was struggling a lot. Yeah. And for them to just say, yeah, we're just going to keep him in for the rest of the year, I was surprised and I didn't 100% believe it. Yeah, me either. But then in the recent article that came out on the 6th, I was like, okay, maybe they are going to keep him because mm -hmm. the whole Toro Rosso situation, there isn't one really good obvious choice. But, yeah, I think, I think like you said, it, it's Helmet Marco in the background going, we need yeah. to make a decision yeah. right now. Needs to happen. I mean, the last time they did it, it worked out really well for them. There's certain Dutchmen still killing it. So it, that's true. But are you guys? Because I'm surprised that it was Alex Albon that got the seat. I thought it was going to be Daniel Kvyat. I did as well. So that was actually pretty surprising for me as well when I heard about that. I thought it would have been Daniel Kvyat, especially after his Germany performance and how he's been doing the last like what six races yeah. or so. So yeah, I, I thought it was going to be Daniel Kvyat as well. But I mean, no heat on Alex Albon. He's still no. had some very good races. They're so he has. I think it, the decision of this goes down to give one giving a young guy a chance and Alex Albon, yeah. and not kind of reverting back to their decision of like, yeah, we kind of screwed up with the Kvyat thing a little yeah. bit, um, so we're bringing him back. Right. Um, another part might be to get Daniel, who's been in the exact same situation as Pierre Gasly, to help coach and mentor him. That's true. To get back off of that and be a, a teammate in the sense of helping him regroup mentally, and that could be the only only reason why. Daniel Kvyat still a Toro, so as to coach Pierre Gasly and help him through this difficult time that he's facing in his career, because young kid has loads of potential, just hasn't really had that flourish and and had that chemistry with the Red Bull car this year, mm -hmm. and we, it's been obvious to everyone. It's been the story, the talking point of the F1 2019 season for Red Bull, other than Max winning, uh, <laughs> is you know Pierre not doing, you know, getting absolutely obliterated by his teammates. So uh, it could be a, a sense of coaching for Danny Kvyat as well, a new role for him. Well, you know what? It, it'd be one of the stories of the season if Alex Albon does come in at the second half of the season and manage to get more points than Pierre Gasly and yeah. to see Pierre in Gasly, less races. Yeah, in less races right. and to see Pierre Gasly actually do a better – to see him do a better performance at Toro Rosso. 
in that car because they used pretty much the same car last year, right? Still using the same Honda engine and everything. So. Yeah. And we also don't know with Kvyat as well what role did he play in the decision. Maybe he doesn't really want to go back to Red Bull at this moment. He just had a child. Things are really looking good in his career. Does he really want to go back to that pressure cooker situation? Yeah. And if he doesn't perform right away, people are going to start talking again. There comes that pressure. He starts making more mistakes. So maybe at this point in Kvyat's career, he's just happy to be back in F1 mm-hmm. and wants to have a full season with Toro Rosso to kind of gain back that confidence, which he already has, and he's driven, driven really well yeah. this year. So maybe that's a part of it, although I do think that he probably was looking to that Red Bull seat. But it was a tough situation like you touched on. Did they really want to go back to Kvyat again and, and go through all that? But I still think that Red Bull is taking a huge gamble with putting Albon in because they just made the same move they did last year, yeah, promoting yeah. the young, inexperienced driver who, yes, has a lot of potential, has a lot of talent. But as much of the positive things we say about Albon this year, we said the same thing about Gasly last year. And then look yeah. at how it turned out, right? Yeah, that's true. So this is a big gamble for Red Bull, but I think we're all cheering for Alex Albon to, to hopefully do really well. And Pierre mm-hmm. Gasly. Yeah, 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 and Gasly as well, as well yeah. yeah. And I, to figure that out again, you know, just to to get his his rhythm back and yeah he is a talented driver he mm-hmm. seems like a nice guy as well but and he's still an f1 so it's not the end of the world and yeah. this is probably actually good for him because now the pressure's off he can just drive the car the car like you said is probably a lot more suited to him because you mm-hmm. know he was just driving it last year so this could actually be something good for pierre gasly in the future of his career and he's still in the sport so definitely not the end of the world but red bull had to make a choice because they were losing money they're yeah. losing position in the standings, but now you're Alex Albon going in against Max Verstappen. You got a huge task ahead of you because yeah. that guy is on fire right now. And Albon, he's such a nice guy. He's, I don't know if he's maybe too nice for the Red Bull program and, and for being a teammate with Max Verstappen, but maybe he'll find that edge that we haven't really seen uh, so far in the 2019 season. Well, he's in a race winning car now. So. Yeah, yeah. And maybe the role will suit him better though. Instead of have, uh, challenging your teammate <laughs> in the other car, he can provide more of a support role for Max Verstappen as well. Yeah. Which is kind of more what what he needs right now when he was missing at the first half of the season as well. So. Yeah, I think that they absolutely need that second Red Bull to be fighting in the top four. Yeah. Because they've they've been in situations this season where they really needed that second car to help with strategy. Yeah. Um, so let's hope that Albon can, can provide that. But time will tell whether Red Bull made the right decision yeah. or not. But they were kind of in a tough situation because – they needed to make a call in the middle of the season because of the amount of ground that they were losing. And, of course, we covered all the silly season rumors of Hulkenberg maybe to Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Alonzo's name has been thrown around multiple times uh, linked with Red Bull. So they just couldn't wait until the end of the season because it didn't really look like Gasly was going to all of a sudden find this pace that we've yeah. been looking for through 12 races. So, yeah, we'll see We'll see what happens. Let us know what you guys think about the uh, Gasly-Albon situation, the whole Red Bull situation in the comments below, and if it was the right decision and your opinion on it, we'd love to hear from you guys as usual. For sure. All right, so we can get into our fan questions. We'll be covering more uh, of the summer rumors and stuff when we get into our spa preview, and who knows, we're still waiting on that Mercedes decision. So yeah. Still waiting on the domino to fall. Yeah, We thought that this kind of screws up the domino effect a little bit because, you know, maybe this was this whole Red Bull seat was going to be it. But uh, clearly it isn't because it's just a swap of seats. So now it's – the domino is tilting a little bit, but it's not ready to fall just yeah, yet. Yeah, hasn't, hasn't opened the floodgates no. just yet. <laughs> okay, so we'll get into our fan questions now. And like Tyler mentioned, if we did miss your question, which I, I think we've mostly got everybody, yeah. hmm. but if we happen to miss it, then uh, we'll, we'll answer it in there in the comments or in future shows. So let's start off. This question comes from Junkbox on YouTube. And uh, this is actually an older question that I had screenshotted, just we never got to answer, because it's a little bit weird sometimes answering a more personal question in the comments, so yeah. felt like it's easier to do it this way. But yeah. Junkbox on YouTube asks, how do you guys know each other? Why did you decide to start a podcast? This is a triple question. And what is the hardest thing about making a podcast? Oh, good question. Um, well, we all met through, well, a long story, we can shake her and I, but we won't get into that. <laughs> <laughs> it's too complicated. Uh, romantic Tyler night. and I actually met in the bathroom of our college. That's true. <laughs> that is very true. Hey, man, keep it clean. <laughs> it was actually very clean. <laughs> it was, yeah. Washing our hands. Um, no, but uh, we all met through college, went to the same program, uh, Algonquin College, represent. One of the uh, best colleges in Canada. You won't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, we all met through there and uh, 
became friends throughout the two-year program that was there. And I mean, I we were know. taking television broadcasting, and we're kind of all into sports. And yeah, it just worked out really well. Yeah, we had to do a lot of studio shows. I mean, kind of similar to this, obviously. On a when you spend but 60 hours together for yeah. two years, yeah. You're 60 hours a week. Obviously. A week, sorry. Yeah. That's what yeah. I meant, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not over two years. 60 hours a week. You know, it's it's a grind, but uh, that's how we met and how we became friends pretty much. Yep. Yeah, yeah. me and you, Tyler, we did a lot of commentary on local yeah. sports as well, doing that's right. soccer, hockey. Well, it was through school and then just some local In stuff general. as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's how we kind of uh, – Basketball, gelled. volleyball. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Um, but, yeah, so sorry, similar to the podcast, but you guys were doing more of the commentary and play-by-play where I was more behind the scenes doing a lot of the uh, technical stuff, which I've been kind of doing here, and that's kind of how the podcast came to be. Where and then I was originally asked on to just do the technical <laughs> podcast. And then you became the a star. <laughs> yeah, shake of the star. <laughs> I still remember that, like, the first episode. Yeah, we just – that was the original idea. I texted you about starting one. I think like late uh, near Christmas, uh, I think it was 2017. Yeah. I'm like, well, you know, let's start at F1 podcast. And then I met up with you and, you know, because mm-hmm. he's such a great technical assist yeah. and he knows and understands all the stuff. So, but then first episode, we, we just start recording and this guy is just jumping <laughs> in. Chiming in. He chiming didn't have a mic. He didn't have a mic. No. He's still chiming in. And we're like, okay, we got to get this guy a mic. Yeah. <laughs> and then it became a triple, triple star show here. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I learned, a, barely knew anything about F1 before we started the podcast, but. I think I've told these guys before, like the fact that we talk about it so much and doing the podcast, you kind of pick up on things here and there. And then my two other buddies have been huge fans of F1. And so I used to hear about it here and there, here and there. So coming into learning about F1, it was kind of, I knew a lot more, a lot about Red Bull and Ferrari and obviously Mercedes domination and kind of yeah. Yeah. learn more from there. So, yeah. And I think that kind of the way that the broadcasting industry is now, it's, it's a lot tougher to get in and, and get your start when <laughs> yeah. you're young. So yeah. yeah. You know, we figure we might as well do it ourselves and work for ourselves instead. And it's been a lot of fun, and we're really, really enjoying it. And just like being able to talk about, I mean, you watch Sky Sports and you watch these guys do their analysis, and you're yeah. like, shit, like, I wish I could do that. Well, yeah. that's why YouTube is around, and, and we can do that now. So that's yeah. been a lot of fun. Um, and then the last part of that question, what do you guys find the hardest part about doing a podcast? Uh, I don't know about you guys. I think this is a unanimous decision, <laughs> but it's uh, getting together. Yeah. I mean, we all work full-time jobs. I personally, I have three jobs. I know yeah. you guys have lots of commitments as well. Um, so just finding the time to you know get two hours in a week. You know, if it's a doubleheader week, four hours. Yeah, four hours. Two episodes um, to set up and you know do the podcast. It's tough. It's tough to find that exact kind of niche time for everyone, but yeah. uh, I, we, we we make it work. We yeah, make exactly. sure yeah, we're all committed. That's where you know some weeks where it will only be the two of us, and I think there's been a few times where Chris has just gone on by himself to yeah. do it. So you know, talking to myself. Talking <laughs> to <yourself. laughs> so yeah, like it's it's commitment. You really got to stick by it and try to find the time to be together. And you know, sometimes it doesn't happen. And so yeah, and yeah, like you said, we all have our personal lives as yeah. well on top of our job. So it's got to manage all three of them you know so yeah and i think also the hardest part too is remembering that you've got people watching so you always have to make you know make sure that you're bringing your best because there's people that are expecting you know content and they're expecting the show to be exciting so like you said whether you're coming from work or you know you just had a long day like that that's probably the hardest part is maintaining that level to where the show is exciting and it's informative and everybody can come away with kind of a good feeling saying, Oh, that was that was a good episode yeah. and stuff like that. So but yeah, that is a difficult part, just trying to yeah. get everybody organized for, for a couple hours per yeah. week. So uh yeah, hopefully one day that this will be our full time gig and we don't yeah. have to worry about any of that. Oh, well, that'd be nice. Yeah. All right. Uh so second question. This comes from this was actually an interesting question. Um I'm curious to see what you guys thought. At Cameron Cole on Twitter asks Looking back on last season, if Ferrari had put Kimi on the better strategy, would he have won the world championship? Still made 12 podiums, even though he wasn't on the best strategies. Oh, very good question. Yeah. Uh, I have to go back to last year. That's a long ways away. Mm. Um, I don't remember what I had yesterday for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, that's very interesting because obviously we know Kimi Raikkonen, what he's doing in Alpha this year is, Mm -hmm. is phenomenal. And how good of a race drive, you know, race car driver he is, a former world champion and everything. Um, I think, yeah, last year was probably his closest fight to Vettel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he got his finally got his race win. Uh, it was consistent on podiums, as you mentioned, twelve of them in twenty-two races, twenty-one races. Had more than Vettel. Did he? Oh, there yeah, you go. Wow. Um, yeah, you know what? I think if he didn't get screwed, yeah, he could have been a world champion. Could have been a world champion, or you know, fairly close. Actually. 
Yeah, no, I would say world champion. It was pretty close last year till till towards the end there. But yeah, yeah till Ferrari kind of yeah. crapped the bed. I think I would agree because Kimi was more consistent than Sebastian Vettel was. I yeah. mean, yeah. he didn't really make too many mistakes. He didn't spin out like Vettel did in multiple occasions. And absolutely, it started really at the beginning of the year. If you guys remember the first race in Australia, he got screwed by the strategy, and then it just snowballed from there. But when you look at it, Vettel finished P2 in the driver's standings. Kimi was P3. He won the race in U, uh, in the United States, of course. Could have won in Monza after he took pole. So I absolutely think that he could have, at the very least, challenged Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. And it kind of makes you remember back to 2018 how much Ferrari shit the bed because both drivers finishing in the top three. They took multiple wins, multiple pole positions. And early in the season, they looked like they were the main title contender. And then it just all fell apart yeah, after the summer break. So... I, I think that kind of carried over into 2019 for Ferrari because they've been struggling since then. It's raining pretty bad. It is raining. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, what is going on out there? Well, ladies That's and gentlemen, it is raining. It is raining. <laughs> Got a rain delay here. on. Yeah, put the inters on. Interiors. Full wets, actually, I think. <laughs> it is, it's going pretty good out there. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> no, it's all right. Mesmerized. Um, so, absolutely, I think that he, he definitely would have been a, a title challenger, and He's been driving great this season as well. So it's a shame that Ferrari had to – but, I mean, Ferrari's been doing that for yeah, ever. Uh, forever, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good question. No, when you can hear the rain through your headphones, you're like, what is going yeah, on? Yeah, it's – it <laughs> I mean, we are right in the basement, right close to the doors. But, yeah, no, it is fairly loud out there. Yeah. Summer storm. <laughs> I hope it closed my windows. <laughs> That's my biggest fear. <laughs> Every time I, like, see it rain, I'm like, really hope I close my windows. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyways, <laughs> next question comes from Sarah on Twitter. She asks, what is your favorite F1 memory? So this is another triple oh. question here. What do you think the grid and F1 in general will look like in five years? And if you could change one rule, what would it be? So Ooh. starting with the first one, what's your favorite F1 memory? Favorite F1 memory. Oh, that's tough. Uh, I'm going to go. With, I'm going to give two answers because I don't want to make a decision. Um, first one would probably having to be watch or having, uh, English watching (laughs) (laughs) F1 as a kid, um, you know, supporting Ferrari. My family is half Italian. Well, I'm half Italian. My family is Italian. Um, and, and, you know, watching it with my uncle, my, my, my nunno, which is a grandpa, um, and watching, you know, Michael Schumacher just tear things up as a kid. And I was a massive Michael Schumacher fan when I was a kid and just loved Ferrari and loved that whole one-two punch of him and Barrichello. I mean, that was that was my thing. Um, but going back into somewhat more recent, I guess, would uh, and I've said this on the podcast a, a few times, and it's Jensen Button at Canada, mm. just going through you know, whatever, four or five pit stops, four pit stops, I think it was. He made in the rain and just a master class he showed to pass everyone after the catastrophe started. And I think that's still my favorite F1 moment, to, just to watch him do that and, was just I don't know phenomenal to watching as you know some not a yeah. kid but uh, you know yeah nostalgic I, yeah you know it was probably what is this two thousand eight two thousand seven uh two thousand eleven oh it's twenty eleven oh shit I mean that's still pretty long anyways <laughs> my years are all mixed up but you know I was still somewhat young I was would have been fourteen maybe watching that oh you just gave away your age I don't think that's the right age either <laughs> <laughs> my math is awful hey we didn't go to school for math so. no we didn't. Um, but you know, yeah, hundred percent. That's those two are my best F1 memories. Cool. Um, for personally, for me, I think it would probably be one recent one that I experienced was last year. Um, getting to experience Ferrari's win in Canada, just running on the grid uh, on the start finish straight, listening to the German and, and Italian anthems was really cool because just like you, uh, I watched Michael growing up as a kid, and that anthem combination you heard literally every weekend, like. 18 of the 19 weekends so to get to experience that in person and the the passion and the energy from the ferrari fans was was something really special so i think that would probably be my uh my favorite f1 memory yeah so mine's very recent because obviously <laughs> yeah. i didn't start watching f1 until last year um i would say i probably have two as well and the first one would be uh danny ricardo winning monaco i knew you were gonna uh, say that because <laughs> obviously i like read more of like the backstory on him beforehand like leading up to the race and i've known monaco as like a little kid you see it everywhere in movies and hear about monaco all the time um so kind of getting to experience that and i guess the other one would be uh actually won my first grand prix this year at, in canada mm. so in montreal sorry so that was uh I would put that up there, and obviously with the whole 
upset that led to that, that happened in that race. So yeah, you came uh, to a good race. Yeah, yeah. You did go to a good so race. yeah, I, w- I would say those are probably my top two. Um, and this was a two-part question, was it not? Three, three part, part, yeah. Three part Can I just say quickly? Sure. The biggest memory or moment, I guess, for our podcast would have to be the racing point. Oh, that that is a oh, future yes. question. Is it? Yeah. Yes, that oh. is in our questions well, too. But okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we kind of <laughs> gave it away, but I didn't yeah. know that was a future question. My bad. <laughs> That's all right. Anyways, we'll get there. Um, so second part of her question was, what do you think F1 and the grid in general will look like five years from now? Uh, hopefully bigger. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, will, I would I would hope for twenty four drivers. Yeah, At 24 would be nice. Yeah. Um, what was I watching? I was watching the F3 race, and they had like 35 drivers on there. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, I that's, was like, that's quite hell. a lot. Um, but uh, no, watching. I think, I think in the f- we're going to see a lot of the same names in five years from now. It's it's a massive young core that's coming up through F1. So I think a lot of these names you're going to see and and learn for a long, long time and get a a real. I don't know, emotional attachment to those names. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll want to see them progress and do well. You're going to have your veterans that will retire, right? You know, Vettel, Hamilton, Raikkonen, um, Kubica probably. Um, I mean, I don't. I, I actually don't see Kubica in F1 after this year. No, neither do I. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but, you know, those those l- yeah. older names. Um, and you'll see those young names, you know, Charles Leclerc, Pierre Gasly, Alex Albon, Lando Norris, you know, Max Verstappen. And many others that I haven't mentioned uh, will be the mainstays and the, the ones that will lead F1 to hopefully what is greener pastures. Are we going to see Mick Schumacher in four to five years in F1? Oh, good question. Oh, that's a good question. I say yes. Another fan question. I think it's too much money not to make him. I think so too. Like, uh, but I don't. I don't exactly see him starting at Ferrari though. No, he'll be an alpha guy. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. I don't see. He'll take over Kimi C when Kimi's done. No. This is my prediction. Or Giovinazzi. I guess he's not hasn't been doing that great either. They'll they'll keep Giovinazzi because he's Italian, I think. But maybe when Vettel retires. Yeah, that could be that too, yeah. yeah. So who True. knows? Depending how they want to launch him in there. But uh Chris? Yeah, I think I would I would agree. I'd say that the future looks very young. We're next five years we're probably gonna have the youngest grid ever in, in Formula One history. Because that's the that's where the trend is going toward. Yeah. I mean, Verstappen was mm-hmm. 16, 17 years old when he started with Toro Rosso. Signed at fifteen. Yeah, like Lance Stroll, Lando Norris. These guys are like eighteen, nineteen years old racing. I think the grid will be very young and, and youthful, and, and we're gonna get these good battles between Verstappen and Leclerc, mm-hmm. and even Norris and Sainz continuing on with their rivalry. Um, I think. It's going to be interesting what the next five years will hold for F1 because I think it's an important era for them yeah. right now with the new regulation changes. Are we going to see a move to closer racing, like you said, more teams? Yeah. I don't know. It's tough to say. It doesn't really look like we're going to get closer racing because F1, the history of it anyway, has always been pretty spread out. And whether these cost caps are going to make things more even or not, we don't know. So. My hope is that the next five years, things will get a lot closer. We get more teams. Mm-hmm. We get three, four teams battling for the wins and for the championships. Yeah. I think that would be great for the sport. And I also just hope that the next five years sees a move of Formula One sticking to these old school tracks, Hockenheim, Monza. I mean, just recently they're thinking about possibly hosting a race in Saudi Arabia, oh which yeah. I don't understand why they're moving to all these new venues that – Really money. have money. Well, exactly. I was about to say money. But <laughs> <It's> money. <laughs> and, and that's the one thing I don't want F1 to be moving toward is, there is whatever offers the most money. Because Saudi Arabia or a track, the Vietnam one, for example, or Azerbaijan, it just doesn't have the history. It doesn't have the character. The Vietnam one looks nuts, though. I'm kind of excited for that one. No, I mean, it's exciting for sure. Like, I'd love to see a race in Miami, in downtown Miami, for example. But no, I don't think that Miami should kick a track like Hockenheim off the calendar or, or yeah. Monza or Silverstone. Like, you know, the classic, exactly. classic ones that we Those all know. street circuits, though, you can have you can have a, a World Street Circuit Grand Prix. I don't know. That's a stupid name, but that kind of idea where you go to one st- random street circuit. Grand Prix Street. Yeah. Grand Prix street. <laughs> like the European like Grand Prix when they used to have that? Yeah, kind of like the European Grand Prix where sometimes traveled around and didn't really um and then make it in oh you have one in miami one in new jersey one in toronto let's say one in <laughs> go back to valencia is yeah. street circuit uh, little things like that yeah that's my hope because but like you said it's already moving toward there so yeah um and then the last part of that question this is a tough one actually if you could change one rule in f1 what would it be it's an easy one for me oh yeah yeah blue flags <laughs> 
change the blue flag rule. Get rid of blue flag. Yeah, flags. because you thought that Ocon was to blame on that, the Verstappen. And that <laughs> is the whole priority of this thing is that imagine more moments like that. How just how controversial it was, how nuts it was, you know, people fighting to keep their laps. They have this in NASCAR all the time. People fighting to keep on the lead lap. Saw this in I watched the race last night. Bristol, Tennessee, night race, short track, always drama. Um, and the leader was going to pass a lap car and they made contact and it screwed up his fender or his or his bumper, uh, which ended up making the car a lot tighter to turn, a lot le- so a lot more of understeer for those that don't understand what tight and loose is in NASCAR. Tight understeer, loose oversteer. Um, so a lot more understeer through the corners and it's pretty much always a corner. So, uh, you know, he lost a lot of lap time. Ended up losing the lead and losing the race with five laps to go. You should it have just, explained that with a southern no, accent. There's, yeah, I should have. <laughs> uh, and there's no blue flags in NASCAR. I think just the more more fighting, because what happens is you can get your lap back. If there's, you know, safety cars, it's called pace car there, safety cars. You get your lap back. And more of that in F1 fighting for that last that last spot to be you know, one lap down or trying to unlap yourself, I think would do fa- do wonders in, in Formula 1 to keep the back markers slash midfield teams relevant hmm. interesting that's an interesting case yeah i, I think that I, there's something to it for sure better be <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you know what martin brundle's with me so martin brundle yeah, is with me he hates the blue flag rule because they didn't used to do them right yeah, yeah so no i think it would definitely spice things up and it would offer more racing that's for sure yeah, exactly so uh yeah well we'll send your opinions into f1 <laughs> see what they or the fia sorry see if they change that um for me I don't know if it constitutes a rule. I guess it falls into the regulations, but I'd bring back V10 engines. That's, no, I that's thought you were going to say do. refueling. I mean, it, I have it to look at... would play a different at, aspect into the... Yeah, yeah, I have to look at refueling because there is a case to be made that the refueling doesn't actually help the racing. Yeah, so I looked at a couple of cases where people are saying that refueling actually wouldn't really help improve racing. Right. Um, but yeah, that would be my one thing, to bring back those V10 engines... Mm. Just amazing sounds, almost 20,000 RPM, 1,000 horsepower, naturally aspirated. Bring that back. That'll make F1 so much more exciting just to the common fan as well. So if I had the power in F1, that, that would be my one rule change. Okay. Yeah, I would get rid of stewards. <laughs> I, I, <think> <laughs> I just, I just want to see more wheel-to-wheel racing. I don't want to get anyone involved in the race. I think it just should be settled on the track, not by, like, Stupid fucking penalties. Oh, right. I can't swear. <laughs> we'll bleep You're that so, out, so upset over that Canada thing, We'll bleep right? that out, Shaker. Um, yeah, fair enough. I, a lot of people were calling for that after the whole Canada and yeah. Austria incident. but Or just, you know. Just a better system, maybe. Yeah, but I think a more consistent system. Former I just, drivers. Yeah, former drivers who, who kind of know what it's like to be on the track and in that situation rather than just people, you know, who you know, getting like sports pundits to just come out and to be like, oh yeah, no, it should have been like this in this situation. Like right. they haven't been there. So I don't know. Fair enough. All right, moving on the next question. This one also comes from Junkbox on YouTube. Who are your winners and losers through the first part of the 2019 season? Uh, winners and losers. Who? Uh, my winner would be Carlos Sainz. My loser would be Pierre Gasly. Everyone teams? Because it actually would be this. Uh, it could be both if you want. Okay, well, my winner would be McLaren, and my loser would be pick like two of each. Renault. Pick yes. like a, yeah. I don't know. That's that's okay. So that's mine, anyways. Yeah, I would agree. I think the big loser has to be Renault. All the money that they put into it, the budget, getting Daniel Ricciardo, they've been absolutely nowhere this yeah. season. Awful. They've been yeah, exactly. Awful is just really the one one word to describe it. Horror awful. Horror awful. Horrible. I just awful. think the entire Renault team, even like the drivers or stuff, are pretty much the losers of the first half of the season. Yeah, you think the whole everything Renault. Yeah, everything Renault related. <laughs> wow. Except for McLaren. Yeah. Except for McLaren. Yeah, they would have to be my winner too. Yeah, I think McLaren would be my winner. Ah, unanimous. Yeah. Well, another obvious winner, Max Verstappen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that one's a but given, though. Like, It's like saying Lewis Hamilton is definitely the winner of the first half of the season. I mean, right. we, all yes, know it. we all know it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think so, too. Pierre Gasly's an obvious one, of yeah. course. I just, um, yeah, just to, you know, just to be different, I would say it's like McLaren definitely is the winners, and both their drivers, for sure. Um, Lando Norris had, had some losing moments where, obviously, it was kind of more of a team decision, but... You know, sometimes it comes like that. You just don't have the right, right race strategy. But, yeah, my, I would pick, McLe- pick, 
pick McLaren as my winner. Okay. Cool. Unanimous. Dory's Dorlo, let me get this right. Dorley's Fleur on YouTube asks, Do you think it's possible that Toro Rosso will be a regular podium car in two thousand and twenty? No. 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 <laughs> Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As much as much as we would love it, um, they're still a B team, right? Like Yeah. They're it, still run by Red Bull as yeah. a whole. And right. it, if they were more pacey than the Red Bull, then they yeah. just switch liveries. Oh, exactly. And they put you know the Toro Rosso car as the Red Bull car yeah. and switch it over. So, uh, which would be an embarrassment for, for the big Red Bull team. But uh, no, I don't think so because I think the Red Bull do the the big team would do a lot to stop that. Yeah. And unless Red Bull's one and Toro Rosso's two, which fantastic if they are. Yeah. Right, but I mean they're they're a very small team. But yeah, uh, they, that won't happen. Operating out, out in Italy, and when you look at their team's history. This up until Kvyat's podium in Germany, they only had one podium, which yeah. was Vettel's win in two thousand and eight. So it's not kind of like Force India or Force India slash Racing Point, where every year they can kind of squeeze out a podium, maybe two. Yeah. Toro Rosso, it's kind of a once in a million crazy type race where they'll score a podium. So yeah. they're always they're a really good midfield team, and they've done a lot of great work with Honda, which is setting up the success for Red Bull this season. So I think they're just going to be like you said that consistently good B team still funneling through this whole Red Bull Driver Academy yeah. for the big Red Bull team. It's so like Alfa Romeo as well, realistically. They're starting, yeah. yeah. starting to be yeah. that, yeah. So, unfortunately, no. I don't think that will happen. Um, all right, next one. This one comes from Chevron McBean. That's that's a pretty good username. Chevron, isn't in that a... They're in oil? Yeah, I think they are. Uh, what is the future? Oh, this is another personal one. So, what is the future for the channel, and how long do you see yourself doing it? Uh, future hopefully is bright. Yeah, I mean, I mean things are looking pretty well. Consistently, uh, hopefully, giving you know guys as much content as we can, and I don't know, we want to do this as long as we can. Uh, yeah, uh, that's. I mean, I'm speaking for you guys, but no, that's I just my personal. I want to do it as long as we can. Yeah, I mean, yeah. As long as we're all in the same city, I'm pretty sure we can see this podcast going on. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it's a, it's been a success in the year and a half so far, and it's only been a year and a half. This is still a, year, a young show, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, bring you guys as much content and as much as we can, and just continue the, continue the grind, as they yeah. say. Yeah, I think uh, we'll keep going up until uh, Formula One hires us, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Yeah, well, I, I would like to see more. Uh, I'd like to see do more of like the fun content where we've talked about, you know, like going out to uh, for go karts and stuff and racing around yeah. tracks like that. So yeah, I Again, think that goes back to what is the hardest part of making a podcast. Yeah, and that's we've got right. a lot of ideas. It's just hard to follow through because again, it's the hardest part. It's meeting up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think now too, it's it's evolving, right? Because the podcast is one thing, but it's just also creating new ideas for to attract people that maybe aren't interested in podcasts. Yeah, because mm-hmm. not everybody will will listen all the time. So that's that's one of the things. But uh, yeah, I think the future also would be maybe traveling to more races, yeah. Uh, yeah. getting more interviews with Formula One personalities, drivers, teams, former drivers, things like that. I think that would definitely be the future, and uh, being able to do more of kind of like the racing point stuff that we did in the beginning of the year. Yeah, yeah. for I sure. I think that would, be, that would be the future for sure. Uh, okay, so next question. Ellen Ryu writes, let's talk, uh, ooh, sorry, let's talk about favorite things for F1 2019 so far. Who is your favorite driver, team, team principal, interviewer, commentator, and meme lord? What was your favorite moment, comment, race, qualifying section, podium, and the backmarker F1 show yeah, in 2019 so far? You guys remember all that? <laughs> no. It's like that German guy asking questions yeah. at the press conference. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, so... A short view back <laughs> to the past. <laughs> so who's your favorite driver... Team. All right, let's well, answer like one of these. So, who'd be your favorite driver of 2019? So uh, to me, honestly, it has to be a close tie between Max Verstappen and Lando Norris. Those two have impressed mm-hmm. me the most. Carlos Sainz is another driver that's up there, and he would probably be a very close second. But I would put Lando, Lando Norris has impressed me quite a lot this season, and I put him up there with Max. Lando Norris. Yeah. Max Verstappen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can go this. This is yeah quick. rapid we'll fire. Yeah. Uh, favorite team. McLaren. <laughs> yes. <laughs> McLaren. Racing Point. Oh. Huh. Canadian team. They did yeah. give us a yeah. pretty good access, media access. Yeah. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I, I know this one. Team Principal. Oatmeyer. 
Gunter Steiner. Yes, of course. Yeah. I haven't <laughs> seen. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say I haven't seen seen too much stuff from Gunter Steiner th- from this year. I'm com- coming more on his stuff from last year, so I would say him. I feel like now. we'll see a lot in that yeah, this season. Okay. Uh, favorite interviewer. Uh, interviewee or interviewer. Interviewer. Uh, is that include? I guess no. Well, no. I'm gonna go Paul Deresta. I uh, just because I like Paul Deresta. I love his stuff. His Skypad. I know he's not. He interviews sometimes, but I'm going Paul Deresta. Will Buxton. Oh, he's Guy's good. great. Yeah, he's good. You're right. I'd go with Paul Deresta. I like his. Mm. I like his analysis and stuff too. Uh, favorite commentator. Um. Crofty, just because he think, messes yeah. up. Friend racing. of the show. No. <laughs> like racing point every time. Yeah, <laughs> friend of the show, Crofty. Yeah. And also Martin Brundle. I've always yeah. been a huge fan yeah. of Brundle yeah, since, since a long, long time ago. And favorite meme lord? Lando Norris. Norris. Yes. <laughs> that was an Lando obvious Norris. one. <laughs> yeah, Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo. That question to, was yeah. set up for Lando Norris. Yeah. Meme lord. That is Lando Norris. He's got That's the best respo- responses, but I think Daniel Ricciardo has the best original content. Oh, fair. I That's think so. Fair. <laughs> he's, he's amazing, too. That would be the future of the channel. Daniel Ricardo as co-host. <laughs> if that hey, if that Renault Those thing doesn't the same work time. out, like yeah. you guys have seen the uh, what do you call it? The press conference. I think I forget which one. Yeah, it was, but it was with yeah. Norris and <laughs> all Daniel the pubes. It was great, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so what is your favorite moment? I guess the the question is basically, what's your favorite moment of our show in 2019? Um, well, I for me, it's got to be interviewing Crofty, just because how cool that was. Uh, you guys were very grateful to let me do that, so <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, I, you know, you guys 100% could have done it as well, but yeah. uh, no, that's got to be my favorite part. I would agree too. I, I think it was really cool. Even though yeah. you did the interview, I still thought it was my favorite moment too. Yeah. But the whole Racing Point trip—if you guys are new to our show and didn't see it—we went to the Racing Point launch back in February, which is on the homepage of our channel. So check those videos out. And yeah, Tyler did a great interview with David Croft and. Just the whole experience, just being yeah. around the yeah, car so close. Very fancy. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Seeing very Lance posh. and Sergio. Yeah, <laughs> very posh. Yeah, very I think cool. that was definitely the highlight of 2019. Personally, for me, it was actually doing the video last year in 2018 when we went on to with the Montreal oh, Grand Prix yeah. track. Yeah, that was and fun I got too. To drive I wish I w- got to drive it faster, but it was pretty still jealous. a fun experience overall. We pushed it a little bit. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question comes from Muse for Games. What car manufacturer team would you like to see in F1? Personally, I would love to see Porsche or Aston Martin have their own team. Mm. Great. I, yeah, that's a good question. You talk about this all the time. I do talk about this all the time because it just bugs the crap out of me. <laughs> Um, Aston Martin, I don't see getting their own team as much as like they're my favorite car brand. I love Aston's, love the. Uh, anyways, they're yeah, they're awesome, but they have that affiliation with Red Bull, so I don't think they get a full team. No, I don't think so. Either. Um, but I would 100% agree with you with Porsche or Audi. They are sister owned, right? They're they're pretty much the same thing. Uh, but no, Porsche and Audi would be, uh, would be. I think that would be my main one. I'd like to see an F1 along with Jaguar. I'd like to see them give mm-hmm. it another crack, considering that they, you know they have their Formula E team. Um, they're kind of their marketing is doing a lot better with their road cars again, and you know try to push those. So, and I, and I just I also love Jaguar as well. It's another one of my favorite car brands. My favorite affordable car brand, you could say. Um, so yeah, Jaguar or Porsche slash Audi. Mm. That's a good one. Uh, personally, for me, it'd probably be Audi or BMW. Mm. Yeah. Das Auto, you know what I'm saying? I think that they got to be like BMW used to be in, in Formula One with the Williams. Yep. Probably what was that like 10, 15 years ago? Not even. Yeah, it was fairly recent, still early uh, 2000s. Maybe 10, 10 years ago. I think. Yeah. I think they were BMW Sauber yep. as well with uh, Kibitza. So I'd love to see BMW back or or a big uh, company like Audi as well. Um, but I'd also love to see Porsche. Porsche is another great one, I think. And they've sort of, they were close to maybe dipping into F1 for 2021, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. So I do agree, though. I don't think Aston Martin, they're focusing more on Le Mans and the WEC entry, so I don't yeah. think they'll they'll move into F1. They're a great title partner with Red Bull, though. Yeah. Uh, my top choice for a team entering into, BM, uh, into F1 would be BMW for sure and Porsche. Um, what I actually really want to see, and what I want the most, is McLaren to make their own engine for their own for their company. Mm-hmm. That would be something I would really want, rather than them Ooh. using a Renault engine. Good point, Shaker. Yeah, Good point. I like that. Just everything in house and McLaren. Yeah, yeah, I would. I would much rather see that. Like, 
soon sooner like they, rather than like later. they can do it yeah they, they make unreal engines that's what i mean it's a big possibility possibility and mclaren's one of my favorite car, car manufacturers probably i'm personally a huge nissan fan just because i love the skyline growing up but yeah <laughs> uh mclaren would probably be my favorite supercar brand to be honest if i put it up there i mean they're gorgeous yeah, yeah so i would love to see them make their own engine and do win the race in house like you said so cool fair enough uh, all right, last three here. So we got uh, Stefan Kawa on YouTube. Hi, guys. I'm a fan of the sport since the early 90s, and I'm wondering, do you agree with me that we are witnessing one of the all-time greats in the sports as a whole, and Formula One in particular, with Mr. Lewis Hamilton? I'm aware that he's in a team that is operating like a Swiss clock. That's for sure. Very true. <laughs> and he is fortunate to drive their cars, but Lewis really is something special. Great channel, and keep up the grid work, and greetings from a duchy. Shout oh. out to Holland. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, shout out to you as well. Um, yes. I would say yes. 100%. And as much as we crap on Lewis yeah, Hamilton, I, we crap on him so hard. But we've praised him the last few podcasts. We we actually have pumped his tires a little bit. because, And we had this question, or this kind of idea pop up not too long ago, I think it was. And um, 100%. I think that he is... It, he, I think he is in the conversation 100% with Michael Schumacher as, as the greatest of all time. And I think if he does pass his wins, which it looks like he will, yeah. he will undoubtedly be the greatest of all time. And I know that's tough to say because, you know, you go to nostalgia and, and all the guys, you know, in the past in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and mm. obviously Schumacher in the 90s and early 2000s of how much they brought to the sport and careers ending too early. Senna would be the number one, you would think there. Um, but no, he, he 100% could be the greatest of all time. I could, I, I'd be okay if someone argued that. I'd be I I could say yes 100% I see your argument. Yeah. No, I, think, I agree. I think we won't get to appreciate him until after he's retired. Yeah. yeah. He's the sort of he's the Messi Ronaldo, right? You know, you, you don't we won't appreciate them until they're retired. You know, we have to enjoy them as they're on the field or in this case on the racetrack. I mean, I would actually call the call him the Zlatan. Because he's been hated, but he's still, you know, one That's of the true. best footballers we, footballers we know. That's but, true. like, everybody appreciates Messi and Ronaldo, you know? So Right. <coughs> but as of right now, he definitely is one of the greatest ever. Oh, I absolutely. Mean, one or two or three. I mean, he's already, if he gets the 91 wins, which he'll most likely get, um, sixth world championship, which is looking very likely for this season. So if he ties Michael's record of seven, yeah. I mean, you could absolutely make the case. And also another case is, is that, Schumacher had a lot of controversial moments in his career, yeah. colliding with Graham Hill, or not Graham Hill, sorry, with Damon Hill, uh, Jacques Villeneuve, a whole host of other incidents, which, I mean, you could consider dirty, you can consider doing anything to win. That's a debate that we could definitely have at another time, but Hamilton really hasn't had that in, in his career. He's been a very clean driver. Yeah, yeah I mean, he had mistakes early on in his career, but it wasn't anything purposeful or anything that you consider dirty. So for sure, statistically, you'd rank him up there. As, as you get with a lot of these sports greatest of all time debates, you're comparing eras. They never really battled each other one-on-one. -on -one. And in Formula 1, too, it's so hard. You have to kind of just go either statistically or just personal opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's always going to have their personal opinion because you're a Ferrari fan or you're a Mercedes fan. And that factors into it with a little bit of bias, that's for sure. But as of right now, he's absolutely one of the greats that's ever going to do it and he's probably going to smash a bunch more records until he yeah. retires mm. i mean there's a lot of variables to it too right if you go think back to michael schumacher that he was using one v8 v10 engines at the time and you know lewis hamilton is still breaking fastest lap records on the tracks that michael schumacher raced on so and with v6 engines twin turbos it's a little bit different right a lot of variables that come into it but yeah and also i, I would put him up there for sure yeah and like you said with the era too this is i guess the most dominant era for one team in formula yeah. one history but at the end of the day, the driver does have to deliver, and Absolutely. Rosberg wasn't able to win as many world titles in the same car, and Valtteri Bottas you hasn't been that. able to. You, I don't think you can say that with Rosberg, because he retired after he won one. Right, but the at two that point, years before it was what, 2-1? At that point, it was 2-1 Yes, Lewis. right? Yeah. You have 3-4, maybe, you know, Rosberg wins the second. He wins back-to-back. -back. Maybe he wins, you know, it goes 3-2 Lewis. You know, Lewis wins Fair one, enough. Rosberg wins one. So you can't say that because you retired out, and that's all you wanted to achieve was to win one Drivers World Championship. That's all he wanted. And after he achieved that, he retired. So I don't think you can say that Rosberg didn't achieve that yeah. personally. Yeah. No, I think you make a good point. And I like Nico Rosberg a lot. 
it seemed like he was yeah <laughs> but it seemed like he was making a lot more progress in terms of the one-on-one battle with lewis so it would have been interesting in 2017 mm-hmm. had that carried on yeah. and kind of the new generation of cars whether he would have been faster or slower so but i think all in all everybody's going to have their own opinions at the end of the day this isn't like a trophy that you can hand out no, so there yeah. will never be a no. definitive answer it's being debated in pretty much every sport so yeah <laughs> yeah all right second to last question this comes from Tassine Shande on YouTube. What are your expectations for the second half of the season? And will Ferrari recover? And is the championship already decided? Uh, expectations, I think it will be a lot closer racing than we saw in the first half of the season. Um, you know, hopefully Ferrari can rebound. I think that there's no way they don't go without winning one race, I think. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guys. Um but uh, I do think the championship's already decided. I think Lewis is going to win it. I think Mercedes are going to win the constructors. That's all decided, which is unfortunate for the season in F1. But you know what? We saw a meltdown last. I know it's Mercedes. They're probably not going to meltdown. But we did see a meltdown after the summer break. Um, and, it, you know, it's kind of like a, another half of the season. Maybe Ferrari come with some stupid upgrades and, you know, <laughs> go crazy. Or same with Red Bull, right? But um, I think you're, we're going to see a lot closer racing, as I mentioned more variety than the first half of winners um but still mercedes will win in general i would agree i think you're going to see mercedes win the majority of the races from now until abu dhabi but i do think that we are going to get a lot closer at, at the front and like we've seen red bull win a couple of races i think the next two races ferrari has a chance to at least win one of those i think they're more of the favorites in monza which we'll get into once we get back from the summer break. But I think that we'll have a lot more entertaining races to talk about like we did to finish off heading into the summer break. Mm. And what I expect, too, is Red Bull really pushing for 2020 in this last half of the season. Yeah, Not just in the factory, but also in the track. So getting more race victories, hopefully getting Alex Albon up there on the podium as well, and Red Bull securing that second in the championship would be huge for them going into the 2020 season. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I'm really hope. I'm hoping, and I believe that Red Bull is gonna have a better second half of the season with uh, Alex Albon compared to Pierre Gasly. But I mean, we'll all see what it comes down to. Uh, I think McLaren is gonna have a very interesting second half of the season mm-hmm. with both Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz. Are right, gonna be the big ones. Um, the one thing I really hope and I think is gonna happen is Racing Point is actually mm. gonna be making uh, more of a push for the for uh, battle battle of the battle of the rest. Um, I think it's pretty much set in stone with the McLaren being the best of the rest, but I think they're still gonna make a pretty big push for it. Um, yeah, and I'm, Mercedes will continue how they are, and I I really do hope Ferrari does make a comeback. I I I think I agree with a lot of parts of what yeah like yeah. I I agree with a lot of parts what you said. I think they might get some upgrades in their car. They have the entire summer to work on it now. Have some time off, and I think we can see a rejuvenated uh, Sebastian Vettel and um, Charles Leclerc after the summer break. So um, it would make the narrative going to twenty twenty a lot nicer too if Ferrari pushed and Red Bull pushed and like okay now we have three again yeah. right. You know? We're back to where we were in 2018. Yeah, <clears throat> we had this one one year in 2019. We verred off track, and now yeah. But yeah, I think it'll be good for the sport yeah. to have three teams going for wins. It'd be huge. And yeah. the other thing I want to know for this uh, hacking out the season is what's going to happen to Valtteri Bottas at Mercedes. Yeah, which I really hope gets announced towards the end of the season, not like midway through, to see what's going to happen. I'd rather wait for the end of the season to see where he's going than find out halfway through. So yeah. yeah. That'll be interesting. And, yeah, good point on racing on racing point, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, because they're always a good post-summer break team. Yeah. yeah. They made a huge push last year. So we'll see if they can get their act together a little bit and push for maybe even fifth in the constructor standings. Tough to do. Yeah. All right. Our final question comes from The Derpy Muffin on YouTube. Great name. Uh, fantastic usernames okay. here. If Renault's performance does not improve in 2020, do you think they will pull out? Of F1. Um, no. No, I don't. I and mean, I think that's because they're really looking to the 2021 regulations to make that world title push. I mean, I think that's what Ricardo said. You know, they have a three-year plan, and by 2021, they want to be going for the world championship. Um, so I think that's still set in stone. However, I don't think they're on the right track at all to get there. <laughs> um, and they really need to step things up for next season. 
Um, and, you know, if they have, I think if they have a couple years of non-success in 2021, 2022, you could see them maybe pull out 2023. I see them there at least till 2024. Because I think in the Netflix documentary, it was mentioned that Renault was actually go- partially government-owned or fully government-owned as well. Okay. And one of the main reasons they participate in F1 is because it does a lot for their global brand. So I think for that reason, I think that'll be I, we could see them for the next five to six years. Uh, but like you said, if they're not do performing any, uh, they're not performing well within the next uh, five or six years. I think we can see them gone as well. Two to three year, uh, years is a hard call, especially with the fact that they signed a driver like Daniel Ricciardo and they have Hulkenberg signed on for the next. Like, I can see him resigning with Renault unless he gets really screwed over. Um, so yeah, I, I see them within the next viewers or so i think they'll be there i would agree i think they've invested a lot of money into this yeah. since returning to the sport and to just leave again i think would be a big waste because they've really done nothing since they've come back but the one good news for Renault is they've always won world championships when they've entered the sport yep. yeah whether it was in the late or the early 2000s or the 80s or the late 70s so i would agree i think they'll wait till 2021 and hope that that regulation change brings them a mercedes style victory yeah. in, in terms of li- launching them to the top just like it did in 2014 so yeah i think they won't they'll be in the sport till yeah at least 2023 24 yeah. i think so and i think to what i said earlier if mclaren ever does decide to make their own engine renault is going to be losing revenue on that and if they're really struggling by 2024 2025 yeah i think that's going to be their call to pull out but they still have that contract for the next few years or so so yeah, I, I don't. Per, I don't see that going away anytime soon with yeah. how McLaren's doing this year, for sure. All right, so that does it for all the questions. I think we got through everybody's question. I think so. Uh, again, if we didn't, or if you have more questions, uh, let us know down below in the comments, and uh, if we can answer them in the comments, we will. If we uh, kind of need to explain ourselves and have <laughs> a little debate, then uh, we'll uh, answer them in another video down uh, down the line, for sure. All right. So that for, does it for us on this episode in our Q&A. Again, thank you very much for the questions. Mm-hmm. We enjoy hearing from you, and hopefully we can do more of these down the line, uh, make them more regular, uh, just answering questions about F1 and about our channel. Um, yeah, if you got any more questions or suggestions, anything like that, just drop us a line in the comments, and we'll always try to uh, get to everybody's comments. And coming up on our channel, we got the midseason power rankings coming up for this week. And next week we'll be back again previewing the Grand Prix in Belgium because it's almost here, everyone. Two weeks, yeah, almost here. It's a little yep. bit long still, but we're almost there. Almost getting there. there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the rest of your summer break. Thanks.